Psalm 19, I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. Here we go. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. My jet cadet's teacher, when I was a first grader, taught us, we said it every week, Psalm 19:14. Even in the depths of my sin and rebellion against God, I have never forgot that verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's the value of memorizing God's word. Father, help us today. Help us, Lord, to hear your truth, to believe it, and to live it. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 19 is an absolutely stunning psalm. Uh, it's beautiful in a couple of different ways. I love the way it's laid out. It is all about God's revelation of himself, okay? God revealing himself. God revealing his truth. God revealing the right path, okay? And so it starts out in the first six verses saying, you know what? Step outside and you will hear creation proclaiming the glory of God, okay? Everywhere you go, every, every snowfall, every waterfall, every sunset, every sunrise, every mountain, every ocean, all you hear is the glory of God sending forth. I read a sermon yesterday. Just, just really, the story just caught my attention. He was quoting a biological book or some kind of book that he'd read. But anyway, it's about this beetle, okay? And there's a particular kind of beetle, and the only way this beetle reproduces is by finding a particular type of tree. It will crawl right past an oak tree, an elm tree, a sycamore tree, uh, uh, any other kind of tree you can think of. That's the only kind of thing I could think of real quick. Uh, it'll, it'll walk and it will find a mimosa tree. It will climb up that mimosa tree, it will climb out on the branch, and it will make a slit in the bark. And then it will lay its eggs, its larva, in that, that slit inside that bark. And then that beetle, this big little crunchy thing, never any training, no schooling, no, 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 nobody ever told it anything, knows, by the glory of God, that its offspring cannot live in a live branch. So it goes back about a foot on that branch, and it takes eight hours for that beetle to cut the bark off in a complete circle all the way around that branch, thereby killing the branch and it will fall off, and then its offspring will be born out of that larva. Now, it gets even more interesting. The mimosa tree, if left unpruned, will only live about 25 years. But if a mimosa tree is pruned on a regular basis, it will live over a century. What do you find in that? Some random... Some, some random coincidences of evolution, huh? Is that what you see there? I mean, really, you know? 
that, that, that billions of years of beetles said, you know, nope, not the oak tree. I know Uncle Bre- Fred Beetle, you know, he laid his larva. I don't even know if male beetles lay. Uncle Aunt Sue Beetle, she laid her larva in an oak tree and it didn't work, you know. Or, no, no. What do you see there, people? You see the glory of God. Is he not yelling at us from beetles that he is amazing, huh? That he has put his truth in all creation. Everywhere we look, we see the glory of God. That's what verses 1 through 6 are telling you. Now, verses 7 through 14 are focusing in on what we call special revelation. Okay? This is God's revealing of himself through his word. Okay? Through the Word of God that you hold in your hands. And there are abundant promises, as you just read, to the implications, the result, the, the, the consequence of you embracing, believing, reading, memorizing, meditating upon that Word. You just heard two children stand up here and quote to you Psalm 1. And what does it say? Who is the blessed man? Let me ask you, do you want to be blessed today? Do you, do you want to be blessed? I raise my hand. Yes, sir, I do. I want to be blessed. And what did those children just recite to you? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who what? Meditates day and night on the word of God. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. Does that not grab you by the, the, the hand and say, here is the way to life? Psalm 119, check it out this afternoon. Psalm 119, 119. There's 176 verses in that one chapter. And all of them, the entire thing, screams to you the benefits and blessings and prosperity and success and rewards of knowing and obeying and memorizing and meditating on the Word of God. Practical implications or examples. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is what God tells Joshua. But you shall meditate on it. That's what we're going to do this month. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Who's in on that? Who's in on prosperity, huh? Who's in on success? Who's in on blessing? Who's in on great reward? David says, far greater reward than gold, much fine gold, sweeter than honey. I've been to some of your small groups. I know you're in on that, okay? I know you're in on the sweets, all right? But the Bible says that the Word of God is sweeter than the sweetest thing you can imagine. It's got greater rewards. And so my question to begin with today is, Why are we not addicted to the Bible? Huh? Why don't you see people walking through Walmart and they bump into you? Why? Because their face is stuck in their Bible. They're doing this number in their Bible, you know? Oh, sorry, you know? How come you don't don't come up to a stop sign and you look over in the car next to you and what's the person doing? You know, they're in their Bible. They're reading, reading the scriptures. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. You know, there they go. You know, how come you don't have dads pounding on the, on the dinner room table? You know, dining room table. All right, that's enough. Put your Bibles away. Everyone, get, get your noses out of the Bible. We're going to talk. We're going we're gonna to talk as a family. Put those Bibles away. How come you don't have that happening? Why aren't we addicted to the Word of God? I mean, what? What else makes you that promise? What promise does Candy Crush make you, huh? What promise does it make you, folks? What promise? You put in a million hours on that dude. What do you get? 
You know what you get? Blindness and carpal tunnel in your finger. That's what you get. There's your promise. Look at Facebook again. You just did 20 minutes ago, but look at it again. What do you get? What's the reward? I mean, what else is going to make you these kinds of rewards for time invested? Listen, we, we listen to the promises of other people, don't we? We do, right? You're, you're watching TV and... There, there they come on, some has-been TV show, star of the 70s. They come on, and, and they, they're doing the ab buster, and they lift up their shirt, and there's a six-pack. You're on your phone, right? You know, calling it in, you know. That, that, you're in. He promised you you're in. You hear a heavyweight uh, boxer, well, you know, I think he did knocked out somebody at one time. You know, he's selling a grill. You know, it's supposed to grill everything, whatever. Put your Pop-Tart in there. It'll grill it. You're on your phone, you know. You're in. You're buying it. What's that, what's that one guy? He's like 130 years old, uh, Jack LaLanne or whatever, you know, he's still got biceps, still can do one-handed push-up. You're on your phone, you know. Man, I'm checking in on the promise, right? You're in, okay? Let me ask you, who makes promises bigger than what you just read, what was just recited to you in the Word of God? There's nothing. There is no promise of blessing that can compare to the promise of the Word of God. What really began to capture my attention about having a month that we just memorize Scripture, we focus on Scripture memory, was uh, reading through, or actually I was listening to it, it is an audio book, uh, Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon. And uh, Brother Yoon uh, was saved in, up in the hills of China with his mother. His mother was saved as well. And uh, Brother Yoon uh, gets saved, and his dream is to have a Bible. To, not, not even to have one, but just to see one, to be able to, to, to read it, to be able to have it for an hour. And so he fasts for 30 days. He fasts for 30 days, and, and, and God kind of leads him to a village, and so he hears that somebody has a Bible in this village. He goes to that village. He, he has to walk all night to get there. He goes to the person's house. He knocks on the door. He says, I've heard you had a Bible. Could I just look at it? I don't, I don't expect to have it, but could I just look at it? Could I just read it for a little bit? And, and the guy's like, I, I don't have a Bible. I don't have a Bible. And he's scared. He's scared that Yun is from the PSB. He, 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 he will not admit that he has a Bible. Brother Yun goes back to his home, and he prays for 30 more days. He fasts for 30 more days. He only eats once a day a little bit of rice, once a day, 30 more days, praying for the Word of God, praying for the Bible. And finally, there's a knock on his door in the middle of the night after a vision that he had, and two men are standing there. And he says, do you have my Bible? He's never met him before in his life. They said, we have your Bible. They give him a Bible. They walk away. He never sees them again, okay? He gets the Bible. Immediately, he begins to devour it, not just read it. He memorizes it. He memorizes entire books of the Bible, okay? Memorizes Matthew. Memorizes Romans. He's memorizing entire books of the Bible. And it's a good thing because not long after that, he is arrested and thrown in jail and he is tortured for years electric shock treatment beatings face in the sewer i mean over and over again torture and the thing that gets him through it is what the word of god inside of him and it's not long before brother you begins to to win to christ the rapists and the murderers in that prison cell and they begin to have a church there and now whenever they get a scrap of paper a scrap of toilet paper they keep their own blood and brother yoon's got it in his head and in his heart and they begin to write out the scriptures in blood so that they have them they carve them on the prison walls and they have their church there in the prison brother yoon gets let out 
Uh, he didn't get let out for long, but he gets let out for a little bit. And, and he goes right to preaching and right to training. He's convinced that, that China, we've got to win China for the Lord. And he begins to train people. And so they go up in a cave, these, these group of men who he's going to train in the ministry. And they go up in a cave. They call it their oil station out of the, out of the passage in Matthew where it talks about our, keeping our oils full of, our lamps full of oil. And, and he brings them up there and they begin this, this regimen of study and, and, and equipping and training to be missionaries and pastors and evangelists. And they all agree they're going to memorize a chapter out of the scriptures every day. It's at this point in the book that I'm like, what is our problem? Why don't we hunger for the Bible that way? Honestly, Brother Yoon answers that question at the end of the book. It's not a scriptural answer. It's his opinion. But he, his opinion is that the American church will always be weak and anemic as long as we go without suffering. I don't know if he's right or not. That's his opinion. But here's what I'm resolved. Lincoln, we need to love the Bible. We need to believe these promises. We need to say, I want life. And the Bible says, here's where it is. I want to be blessed. And the Bible says, here's where it is. I, 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 I want joy. Okay? And the Bible says, here's where it is. Okay? So, let's go. Psalm 19, here's your encouragement to, to, to memorize Scripture this month. Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. Okay, now the word reviving means to, to bring to life, okay? It means to restore, all right? It's translated in Psalm 23, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And here's the truth of the matter. Life has a tendency, because of the struggles and the difficulties and the pain and then the temptations and the sin, okay? It, it tends to pull the vitality out of our spiritual life. And what, what the Bible is saying here is that the Word of God revives the soul. It brings life. It, it literally brings life. In Deuteronomy, Moses sets the children of Israel down, and he tells them this. He says, Take heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word to you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you're going over to the Jordan to possess. Now, if you know anything about your Old Testament, you know that Moses' words came exactly true. As long as the children of Israel held on to the word of God, as long as they held on to God's commands, as long as they obeyed and made that the center of their life, they prospered, they succeeded, they were blessed. But when they forgot God's word, and there were numerous times when they did, you remember the most famous, when, when the king didn't, hadn't, didn't remember that there was a word of God. They had lost it. And they're cleaning out their closets and they find the Bible, okay? During those periods in Israel's history, what happened? Man, they tanked. They, they were overcome by their enemies. They fell into idolatry. They were cast into exile. Their cities were destroyed. I mean, literally, the words of Moses came exactly true. As long as you hold on to this word, you'll be blessed. If you let go of this word, you'll suffer for that. The word of God brings life. Jesus is uh, in the wilderness, and he's fasted for 40 days. Something that you and I can't, Really fathom. I can't fathom that. Brother Yoon did. Um, but I can't fathom what it's like to go without food for 40 days. But in the midst of that, the devil comes to him. Remember what the devil does? Remember the first temptation? The devil tells Jesus, I can't believe that, that God has not provided for you. And that, I mean, I can't believe you're the son of God. You're the son of God. You should eat. You know, 
You, you, you should eat. God's not provided for you. And, and you should eat. Take matters into your own hands. Look at all these rocks. You're the son of God. Turn the stones into bread. And do you remember Jesus replied to the devil? His reply is this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was, what was Jesus saying there? Jesus was saying this. I need, I need God's word more than I need physical food. Do you believe that? Again, these are things that we've got to embrace. I need the Word of God. The Word of God brings life to me. It brings sustenance to me. It brings vitality to me at a greater level than even sandwiches, okay? Now, why is that true? Well, a bunch of reasons. Let me give you some of them. Uh, Number one on the list is, is this. The Word of God brings spiritual life because the Word of God stirs up faith in us. Okay? We live by faith as Christians, do we not? We live by faith in God, faith in His promises, faith in His character, faith in what He's done, faith in what He will do. Okay, but here's what Romans 10, 17 says. Faith comes by, do you remember it? Hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Exactly. Exactly. Some of you are quoting it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And so what the Bible tells us is that our faith is stirred up as we hear, meditate, embrace, memorize the Word of God. So, so here's how the system works, okay? So you see the glory of God through the Word of God. You see the promises of God through the Word of God. You see the, the character of God, the closeness of God, the nearness of God. You embrace that. You believe that in by faith, and you have life, okay? That, that's what the Bible is telling us. So, so first of all, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. Look at the next phrase. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple, okay? Now, here's where I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask something of you, and I don't know if you're willing to give it or not, but I'm gonna ask it of you. I'm gonna ask that for just a moment you would entertain the reality that the Bible is there talking about us, okay? Because here's the thing about Americans. Most of us do not believe that we are the simple, okay? We just don't believe that. Here's what we wanna believe as Americans. We wanna believe that we have it all figured out. We wanna believe that, that, that we know we know what's going on. We know about life, we know about money, we know about marriage, we know about relationships, we know, we know, we've got it under control. We're not the simple. Other people are the simple, okay? But what I would have you, have you look at for a second here is the reality that the scripture says, you're not the wise. I'm not the wise. Listen, I'm foolish without the word of God, without the scriptures. I will make the wrong decision and I should not be so arrogant to think that I know more than God, that I don't have to listen to God. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor, there's not a person in this room that would say, I know more than God. I don't have to listen to God. Isn't that what it means when we don't take this and open it and devour it? Maybe we're not saying it with our lips, but if I have the word of God in my house and in my home and in my car and in my phone, if I have it and I don't go to it, aren't I saying I don't need it? I already know enough. Man, how arrogant is that? How arrogant is it for me to say, I know more than the God who spoke the universe into existence. God speaks. His word comes out and the Milky Way is formed. God's word comes out and the earth is shaped and formed. God's word comes out and life comes about and and rotates and lives in perfect harmony. Okay, my word comes out and what happens? Very little. I can't even, with my spoken word, I cannot even make my dumb little dog stop barking when company comes over, okay? Now, I could make it stop barking with my hands, but my family will not let me. But I know if I cut that oxygen supply up, that dude is not barking. But I have tried with, with every bit of authority in my voice, Snickers, no! 
I know it's a silly illustration, but do you see that? God speaks and the Milky Way comes about. I speak nothing. I'm the simple. Listen, if you're here today and you think that your intellect, your wisdom is superior to the one who rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father, if you think you know more about life than the one who sustains life, and if you're saying, well, Pastor, I never said that. If you're not in this book, you are saying that. You're saying, I'll do this by myself. If you think you're more savvy about women than the one who created Eve out of the Adam's side, man, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you think you have the answer for joy more than the one who's fullness of joy, if you think you know more about sex than the one who created it and gave it to the marriage union, if you think you know more about love than the one who is love or about business than the one who manages the universe, if you think you know more about growing old than the ancient of days or about peace than the prince of peace, all I got to say is, I I actually don't have anything to say. I don't know. Good luck, I guess. I mean, if you leave here today and you're like, I don't need it. I don't need the word. I will live this life by my smarts and my power and my wisdom and I'll go my way and I'll be right. Man, honestly, and I'm not saying this facetiously, I I wish you well. Like, I, I, I hope that goes as best as it can for you. But let me tell you what I'm convinced about myself. I need God's wisdom. I need his wisdom. What is wisdom? Notice it says, making wise the simple. Wisdom is not just intellectual knowledge. Wisdom is, is decisions. It's making the right decision. It's living life under the fear of the Lord. It's living life in, in, in understanding the, the glory of God and the, and the kingdom. It's, it's living life in a wise way. Man, I love 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We, we go over this every year in Man Up, and I just think it is a great passage for men. Uh, verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction, for training and righteousness. Listen to this, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That is such a good passage for men. You know why? Because ladies, you may not understand this. You may not know this. Men hate to be incompetent at things. We hate to be called on to do something that we don't think we can do. We don't think we can handle it. We don't think we can do it well. We don't like that. And men tend to do two, one of two things when they feel incompetent. Number one, they, they tend to be passive. Okay, They would draw. They, 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 they delegate. No, you handle that. No, I'm not going to be that. You know, no, no I, I don't want anything to do with that. They, 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 men tend to passively step back and away from responsibility when they do not feel competent in what they're being asked to do. Do, do you see the beauty of this then? All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Okay, so, so what, is the, what is this saying? This, say, this is saying to me as a man, all right, Jason, you may not know how to, how to fix the complexities of having four daughters. You, you may not know how to do that. You may not know how to, how to raise a son to be a godly man. You may not know how to, how, how, to, how to parent, how to have a marriage, how to love, how to manage money, how to, how to have a spiritual life, how to invest in others, how to make a real difference for the kingdom so that your life matters for something. You may not know that, but the word of God makes a promise here. The man of God may be equipped for every good work. Is that not marvelous? 
Jeff, Justin, Jim. The man, that the man of God may be equipped. Okay, what that promises me. If I am a man of this book, if I devour this book, that God will make me equipped for every good work, everything that God calls me to do. I'll be able to live wisely. Not perfectly, but wisely. Let's keep going. So the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I love, this is probably my favorite one. This is my favorite one. The word of God rejoices the heart. Okay, so what we're going to find in this book, what we're going to find as we devour it, as we memorize it, as we meditate on it, as we, as we, as we embrace the truths and grapple with the scriptures, what we're going to find is it will bring joy to our hearts. That, that's, that's an amazing promise. That's an amazing promise to a people who get melancholy, who get the blues, who get depressed, who have doldrums, who are grumblers and complainers and get into a poor me, Eeyore type of existence. What, what a phenomenal promise that the, that the Word of God rejoices the heart. Folks, why would we go anywhere else? You know, you know the amazing thing? Think about this. Think, think about this scriptural reality. Whenever you get depressed, whenever you get kind of bent out of shape with the world and you start having your pity party and kicking dirt and your Eeyore and everything, where, where is your heart drawn? Let me tell you, if, if, if you're anything like me, it is not drawn to the scriptures. Is that not amazing? I mean, uh, we don't want to read it. That's the time I don't want to read it. What do we want to do? I want to sit out of my chair and I want to go through the same dumb 30 channels that I just went through and there wasn't anything on, right? I want to open up my little device and go on to Facebook and, well, what's happening? What am I going to find there? What, literally, what do I think I'm going to find there that's going to bring joy to my heart? A picture of my high school buddy who's gained more weight than me and has less hair? Oh, there's my little pickup of joy. What, what are we going to find? Why do we go to that stuff? I have the answer. Pastor Gary and I were up on cell block G this week, and we had a great Bible study with some of the guys up there in county. And man, we hammered on this passage. Ephesians 4, 22. Put off your old self. Put off the old you. And then listen. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Why? Why? Why day after day, time after time, do we go to the wrong thing? Because sin is deceitful. Satan is a master liar. He's a father of lies. And, and the world is woven in such a way that it's lying to us. It is telling us that things will satisfy that will not satisfy. And so we, we turn to the wrong things. We, we get lost in a novel. We get lost in a bag of chips. We get lost in those things that will not ultimately bring joy. And what the Bible is saying here, let me read it again. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The Word of God is the paddles that you put on your heart and it shocks it into life. It brings it into joy. 
The word of God is, is the precious promises that we can grab onto. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things will be added to you. I can grab onto that. God, all these things are going to be added onto me. I can look at the glorious deeds of, of Moses and Joshua and David, of men who were pinned in, you know, Pharaoh's army behind, Red Sea in front, stand and see the, the victory of the Lord and the sea parts and the walls come down and the Goliath topples. Man, things that will shock your heart back into reality. Verses like Psalm 60, 12. It's probably nobody's favorite verse in here. But man, it grips my heart every time. It's, it's real simple, short. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. I don't know why, but that thing is like a paddle to my heart. Psalm 1611. You'll, you'll notice that I got to pick the verses you're memorizing because a lot of them are just the ones that I just thought, what, what's been most helpful to me? Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> Brings me back to life. I'm like, Jason, you stupid. Quit chasing other stuff. Get in God's presence. There's where fullness of joy is. Feeling poor? Ephesians 2, 7. In the ages to come, He might show you the immeasurable riches of His kindness. Struggling with your identity? Ephesians 2, 6. You've been seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Direction? John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Folks, the truth is like paddles that shock life into your heart. Joy. They restore the joy of your salvation. They restore your hope. I think hope is part of joy, isn't it? Hope is a confident expectation of good things to come. Maybe you're expecting a beloved friend. Maybe your kids are coming home. Little Caitlin and Bella are coming from Denver and Paul is all the Twitter, man. They don't, they're on the road still coming. And she's excited, just anticipating they're coming. You hear you got a package in the mail. It's coming. It's your birthday. Something's in the mail for you. You got a little bit of expectation. Boss says you're getting a bonus next week. You got a little expectation. That's the way hope works, right? It's something that's coming, and you're looking forward to it. Okay, what, what does the Bible say? Romans 15.4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Real quick, verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We don't have time to talk about this stuff. I've got to get down to verse 11 and 12. But let me read them. Fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, fine gold, the, the highest thing he can think of of value. Sweeter also than honey, the, the sweetest thing he can, he can think of, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there's great reward. Now notice verse 12, okay? Here's where it really gets important, okay? Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. You may not know this and you may not believe this, but you do not at this moment see all of your sin. This is one of the reasons you desperately need the Word of God. You don't see all your sin. 
You don't see all your selfishness. You're, you're walking around right now with attitudes and, and thoughts and, and, and wants and desires that are sin against the holy God are going to bring you into misery and you don't know it. And you desperately need God's truth to reveal that to you. I mean, if you think of it through your conversion, don't we already know that? Right? I first get saved, man, God, God lays on my heart these great big things in my life that are sins against Him, and I can become convicted, and I confess them and repent and turn away from them, and God brings me victory out of them. Is it, does it end there? No. God just continues to reveal, continues to reveal, continues. But, but listen, I, I don't know those things without the Word of God. Remember what James 1, 22, 23, 24, 25 says? It says that the Word is like a mirror. And a man who looks into the Word of God, he's looking into a mirror and he sees himself. And we need to be a doer of the Word so that we look and we see ourselves. And we're a doer of the Word and we turn away from the sin. And James 1.25 says it's like looking into the perfect law of liberty. The Word is our spiritual mirror. Can you imagine going two months without a mirror, a physical mirror? You don't see one anywhere. You don't see one in your house. You don't see one at work. You don't see one in the bathroom. You don't go to McDonald's. There's no mirror there. You don't see your own reflection for two months. Now, if you're a kid... Maybe, you know, a high schooler, you may be like, that's fine. I'm awesome. I don't need one. I always look good. You probably do. Let me tell you what happened to me, though. If I don't see my reflection, you know what happens? Man, I get these unihairs that come right out of my forehead. I get these wiry eyebrows, they'll twist out, you know. I get these nose hairs. I'm convinced if I didn't see myself for two months, I'd have two mustaches, one up here and one here, man. I'd have that ear hair stuff. Man, I got, I got, they're just coming. They just pop, like overnight, man. I just like, whoa, where'd that come from, man? Two months, man. Two months without a mirror. I'd, I'd go in and finally look in a mirror and I'd be like, I've been walking around this way. That is not as bad as you going without this for two months. Regular time immersed in it. You know why? Because you get ugly. For real. I could handle two mustaches. But you can't handle what you will look like without this. You, you get stuff in your, in your craw. And you think you're justified. You think it's everybody else's fault. Right? You think your spouse is all, damn, they're just bent and you, you got a bad deal on this thing and you're completely convinced of it and you're ugly in your heart and you're ugly in your mind and you got all these wrong hearts. You've been there, haven't you? And what happens, man? The Word of God takes God's Word, shocking you out of that, and revealing your hidden faults. We need the Word. Man, notice verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. A presumptuous sin is a high-handed sin. That's what the Old Testament calls it. Let me, let, me, let me explain further. It is a willful sin. Okay, it's one thing to be having a, an attitude that you, you know, of pride or selfishness and you think you're justified and, and it's kind of hidden from you and then finally the Word of God reveals it. That's one thing. My friends, it is a different thing to know something is a sin. To know it is a sin. To know it is rebellion against God. To know you are breaking His Word. And to turn and to walk into that. That's a presumptuous sin. It's a high-handed sin. Those sins have great consequence. Part of the consequence is they, they enslave. Do you notice that? Let them not have dominion over me. I can't tell you how many people who struggle with addictions tell me the same story. 
they'll say, God delivered me. It was glorious. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a desire. I didn't, I, I didn't want it anymore. I was living in victory. And then, you know, a couple months, maybe a couple years went by, and, and, and I was in a bad spot. I was a little disgruntled. I was mad at God. And there it was. And I willfully stepped back into that. And the story's always the same. It has its talents in me. I mean, it's got me. Notice what the Word of God does. It keeps us back from presumptuous sins that will have dominion over us. And let me go back to my original question. What is that worth to you? Huh? It keeps us back. In other words, it keeps us from falling into it, from the misery of that sin. It's a security fence. It's an alarm. It's a safety harness pulling us back from plunging over the edge of sin's destruction. That's what regular immersion in the Word of God does. And and what is that worth to you? How much is it worth to not fall into the lie that ruins your reputation? What is it worth to be kept from a life of bitterness? How much is it worth, people, for your children, your family, your friends to be kept back from you having an adulterous relationship that breaks apart your world? Put a price tag on that. David does. More to be desired, this is verse 10, than gold. Much fine gold, sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. So, the thing I'm pressing on you is, do you need it? Do you need it? Do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy that meditates on it day and night. I'm going to be the tree planted by the streams of water. I'm going to make this mine. How do you do that? Okay, it's going to be hard. Let me give you some. The rest of this is just going to be helpful hints on memorizing. By the way, the Gospel Coalition has put up three or four, three articles so far, two more coming this next week on how to memorize things. They are brilliant. Okay, they're brilliant. Um, they give you methods. Uh, in the office, we memorized a string of like 20 words, unrelated words, in a matter of like four minutes just by using one of the methods. Um, go there. Gospel Coalition, Gospel Coalition, Joe, Joe Carter's the blogger on there. But let me give you some, some, some things I want you to do, okay? First of all, you need to immerse yourself in the passage, all right? So if, you, if it's Psalm 1611, that's where you're at today, okay? You need, to, you need to have it on your home screen. You need to have it on your screensaver. You need to have it on a sticky note, uh, whatever. You need, to, you need to come back to it over and over again. And not just come back and say it, okay? That, that's, that's where a lot of people go wrong with memorizing. You have to actually understand, take in, devour the thing. I actually hardly ever work on memorization anymore. It just comes as I study the Word of God. Just, just by the way that I study. Because the way that I study is, is like this. The law of the Lord is perfect. Law. What is the law? The law is, is rules. It's standards. It's the law of the Lord. Okay, so it's of the Lord. It's, it's God's, God's law. It's the law of Yahweh. Yahweh is the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it mean to be perfect? You see how I study? I mean, just over and over and over and back and forth. And how does it connect? And how does it apply? And what's the implication of this? And, what's, you know, and pretty soon I've, I've, just, I've got it. I've got it because, because I just dug and dug and dug and dug. Okay, so internalize, understand it, find connections. And then, again, here's where a lot of people go wrong. Use it. Use it. 
I'm always amazed. I was this week. I was out in an oil field company. Uh, a friend of mine owns it. Uh, we're talking. We're actually in the scriptures. He has a customer come in. I'm just listening to the conversation. Yeah, I need a flowback valve and a well, that that'd be one of those uh, PS nine three seven six five Thor, you know, ninety two uh, half inch, you know, and you need a coupling of a, you know, the same guy's gonna say I can't memorize things, dude. I think you can. He uses it, and so use it, all right. If you're memorizing a verse on anxiety, what do you need to do? Every time you feel anxious, what do you do? You, you, you preach to yourself. You're the preacher. All right, Jason, be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Okay, I need to let my request be known to God. And the peace of God, yes, God, that's what I want. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart. God, please guard my heart with your peace. That's what I really want. God, help me not to be anxious for anything. Use it. Preach to yourself. Okay? You say, well, I don't have it memorized yet. Okay, read it. To yourself, all right, here's what you do. Use it with others. Speak it to others. My kids will never forget Psalm 1824. They'll be in the rest home and they won't know their name. They won't know what Jello is. They will know Psalm 118. I guarantee it they'll know it. It's just been driven into them. Every day going to school. You guys don't look happy. What's wrong? I'm tired. All right, guys, Psalm 1824. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. If they say it all doled on me, this is the day of the Lord. You know, then we got to sing, you know. We got to sing. And we're going to sing it. We're going to use it. You're a Facebooker. Awesome. Use it. You're a Twitterer. Awesome. Tweet it. Use it. Speak it to people. Speak it to your family. Speak it in situations. Use it like a sword. What is the Word of God? Sword of the Spirit. Use it in prayer. Pray it back to God. Man, those are the most effective prayers. Pray scripture back to God. Finally, and this is just something I learned this week. I think it's good enough to share it, okay? Uh, it's not in the scriptures, but it's, it's one of those things I read on that Gospel Coalition. Connect the verse with images, okay? So let me show you how this worked. Okay, so I'm trying to, I, I, I looked for a verse, a passage that I did not know. I did not know Lamentations 3, 24, 25, and 26, I think, or 22, 23, 24. I still don't know the reference, okay? So it's one of the ones coming up, and, but it was given to me by somebody else. I had not, I'd never memorized it. So I, I took this method, and in about five minutes, I had it, I had it down, okay? So, and here's, here's how I did it, okay? So the first phrase of the verse says, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Never ceases. Yeah, man, that's bloated. That's the first time I've done that today. Save as love of the Lord never ceases, okay? So I'm picturing in my mind, what, what never ceases, okay? What is steadfast? And you can have your own mental image, but mine was a freight train. I mean, I, I'm up here at this train track all the time. Those things, there's nothing stopping those, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Man, I'm thinking the engine of God's steadfast love. Man, boom, nothing can stop it. You throw a little Snickers, that little dog right out in front of that train, bam, nothing stops it, man. You throw a goat out there, whoo, you throw a cow, a horse, an elephant, nothing. I mean, you have a mess with an elephant, but nothing's going to stop that train. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, okay? The next phrase is about his mercies, okay, and how they, how they never come to an end, okay? So I started thinking, okay, I got the steadfast love of the Lord and the train never ceases, and then I got the track is his mercies, 
okay? And so his mercies go on and on and on and on and on. All in my mind, okay, Michelle's trying to reproduce what's in my head. That's impossible, right? But she did a good job. But in my mind, the track goes all the way like into infinity, okay? So the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, right? They never come to an end. They're just on and on and on. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then the next image in the verse is, is of them being new every morning. Okay, now, what's new every morning? The sun. So do you see my, my picture here? So I got this train, steadfast love of the Lord, this track, mercies, never coming to an end. Okay, and then I got, they're new every morning. The sun coming up, new every morning. Okay, and then the next phrase is, great is his faithfulness. What's power in those new mercies every morning? It's the rocket of his faithfulness. You're saying that's a stupid image, the rocket pushing up the sun. That's okay. The stupider, the better. You're going to remember it, right? I mean, it's your imagination. Use whatever you want, you know? Okay? So, so the new every morning. Great is, is, is your faithfulness. Okay? Now, the next phrase changes images, okay? So for this one, you've got to look through the window of that train, and you see me. I see me, okay? And, 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 the, and, and it is, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. So you know what I pictured? Okay, if the Lord's my portion, portion that's a big bowl, right? That's not like... That kind of bowl or even that kind of bowl, that's a bowl I can get into, right? That's a bowl that swallows me up. The Lord is my portion. And then I, Michelle didn't do this, but I pictured a guy rubbing his tummy. Says my soul, right? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. The last phrase I don't have a, a, a phrase for, but it's therefore I will, I will hope in him. All right, so take that off, Kenny. Take that off. Let's see how well this works. What's the first image? It's a train, right? And what is the train? Steadfast love of the Lord. And what does the steadfast love of the Lord do? Never ceases. Okay? What's the next image? Tracks. Okay? And, and what are the tracks? The mercies of God. And what, what, what do they do? They never come to an end. Right? And then what's the next phrase? They're, the sun coming up, right? They're new every morning. And then what, what's power in that? The rocket? Great is His faithfulness. Man, kids have got it even, right? Kids have got it. And then you look through the train window, what do you see? What, what? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You about got it. You all said you couldn't memorize, and you about got it. You haven't even looked at it in your Bible yet. I thought it was a pretty cool method. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Father, help us to memorize scripture. God, we're going to need some encouragement this, this week, this month. Um, Father, we're going to be busy. There's going to be things that press this and sick kids and early mornings and trouble with the job and money struggles and walks to shovel and cars that break down. Father, help us in the midst of all that to hunger for your word more than we hunger for anything else. Father, help us to count the promises of your word to be true. Lord, we want to be blessed. We want to, we want to live the blessed life, God. So make us a people who meditate on your law day and night. God, we want more of you. And we know that you're revealed in the word. So help us, help us memorize. Help us, help us know you. In Jesus' name, amen.